2. Luke chapter 2, we'll begin verses 1 through 20. So Luke 2, starting at verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And it was so, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go uh, even to Bethlehem. And see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them.
please, and turn to the Gospel of Matthew and chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. The message today is Emmanuel. Not, not just Emmanuel. You spell your name with an I. So this is Emmanuel with an E. So okay. <laughs> Last week I preached a message, Jesus. So this week I'm going to preach a message, Emmanuel. And that's not even all the names of Jesus Christ in this first chapter. Actually, the Gospel of Matthew begins the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And in the original language, you know what the first word of the New Testament is? Biblos, the book. Biblos. We get our word Bible from that original language Greek word of meaning the book. So, of, and it says the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So already we see in the first words of the New Testament four names of Jesus. He's Jesus, he's Christ, he's son of David, he's son of Abraham. And then we see again his names given in verse 16 where it says, Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called who? Christ. So there his name, Jesus Christ. And then we see in verse 21, when the angel came to Joseph, he says, thou shalt call his name Jesus. But then we come to this name this morning in verse 23. Let's say verse 23 together. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So I guess you could say this Christmas season, I've been preaching on this verse. On Wednesday we did a, a, a message giving the background of this in the, his, the history of Isaiah and the kings of, of what led to this promise from in the book of Isaiah. Then last night we did a message on reasons why we believe the virgin birth. So today we just want to center right in on this name, Emmanuel. So let's pray as we begin. So Lord, thank You for Your wonderful names. That You are Jesus, our Savior. You are Christ, the anointed Messiah, fulfilling all the promises of the prophets. You are the Son of David to sit on the throne of David. You are the son of Abraham to fulfill the great promises that God, You made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And You are our Emmanuel. You are God. And You are with us. So Lord, speak to us today. And we love You and praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen. So Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Emmanuel means God with us. So Jesus is Savior and God. And we'll actually look at a verse that have, have both of those names, if you will, in it. He's our Savior and He's our God. He is Jesus, our Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel, however, for Jesus was not a name which He was called. He was called Jesus of Nazareth, or Jesus Christ. We see His names throughout the Bible. But the amazing thing about Emmanuel is that it appears one time in the entire New Testament. And it's right here in the first chapter of, and the, uh, of the first book of the New Testament, Emmanuel. So, his parents do not call him Emmanuel from what we know. The apostles never referred to him again as Emmanuel. No writer in the New Testament refers to this name again of Jesus Christ. But you know, when the Bible speaks once, it speaks enough. His name is Emmanuel. God with us. So this was not a name for him to be called by family, friends, mother, or father. It was a supernatural title 
that God gave to him in fulfilling the promise of being born of a virgin. God with us would be the one miraculously born of the Virgin Mary, Emmanuel. So we're just going to break it up very simply this morning into two main points. First of all, that Emmanuel is God. And second of all, we'll see Emmanuel is with us. All right, so that's our simple outline today. So I want us, however, to know as believers in Jesus Christ that you are assured of the fact that Jesus is God. And that you'll even be able to learn and remember at least a couple of the things that I would say today and be able to share with your friends. Because people do doubt that Jesus is God. Other religions don't believe this. Of course, Jehovah Witnesses deny His deity. Jewish people believe that Jesus is a counterfeit and an, apost- and an imposter. Many religions do not believe Jesus Christ is God. But the Bible teaches us He is God of very God. God manifest in the flesh. And we should know this because the deity of Jesus, and when I say deity, I mean that He is God, co-equal, co-powerful, co-eternal with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the deity of Jesus Christ is fundamental to our faith. We cannot let this go. It is a clear teaching of the Bible. And it is foundational to what we believe. In fact, if somebody does not believe that Jesus is God, that He is Lord, they cannot be saved. The beautiful song, that He's the great I Am. Jesus said in John chapter 8, and we did it on the radio last week, Jesus said, if you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Paul says that we must confess that Jesus is Lord. And that God hath raised Him from the dead in order to be saved. So, this is fundamental to our faith. The deity of Jesus Christ. Our verse says that the virgin would be with child and would bring forth a son. And that one who was conceived in the virgin womb, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so we could say that by His conception, by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb, that He has a divine nature. But that He was conceived in the womb of a woman, a natural born woman, Mary. She was a sinner just like you and I. She needed a Savior just like you and I. She was a godly woman. And we respect and honor her as a special chosen person of all women who've ever lived to bring forth the Messiah. But she was a woman. And she says, my soul doth rejoice in God my Savior. She needed a Savior. But that He was conceived by the Holy Spirit points to us that He has a divine nature. But that He was conceived in the womb of Mary and that He was brought forth by Mary, that He has a fully human nature. And there's no man like the man, Jesus Christ, because He is fully God and perfectly human. So let's talk, though, about Jesus being God. In the passage that was read in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, those three terms were given by the angel. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior. I mean, even Charlie Brown knows this, right? This was in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. How many people have cried watching the Charlie Brown Christmas special when he says those words, you know, in that very beautiful voice, you know, that kind of humble voice that Charlie... Doesn't he have a humble voice, you know? He's like so beat up and rejected in life, but yet he, at least in the cartoon, you sense that Charlie received that love of Jesus, and I hope that we all do. But he says, and the Bible says, the angels told those shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Do you know that all three of those terms point us to the deity of Jesus Christ? All three of those terms are used and relate to Jesus Christ being God. So let's just, let's just kind of begin here. And I have the verses up on the screen. It's the first word, Savior. And there are many verses we could share. But 
in Isaiah 45, verse 21, can you say the verses with me? It says, there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. According to that verse, who is the Savior? He is who? He is God. Correct? Am I right? Is that how you're reading it? Is the Savior God? Say yes. Okay. Is there any other Savior? No. There's no other Savior. He's the Savior. And the Savior is who? He's God. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 14 clearly says, what does it say? Say that verse. It says, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Okay, putting those two verses together, ask, I ask you this question. Is the Savior God? Yes, He is. And so the Old Testament teaches that the Savior is God. There's no other Savior but God. And the Savior is Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's one word. The next word is He's the Savior. He's the Christ. Of course, Christ means He's the Messiah. He's the Anointed One. He's the One who will fulfill the promises God made to Abraham, Isaac, and David. He will, he will sit on, the, on David's throne. And there's many verses about this as well. But do you know... Somebody actually asked me a very good question this week. The question was, does the Old Testament teach the triunity of God or the Trinity? Does the Old Testament teach the Trinity? That's a really good question. And yes, the, the Bible teaches the Trinity, the Old and the New Testament. The Bible teaches that the Christ, the promised Messiah, is God in the Old Testament. The Jewish people should be looking for a Messiah who is God. Sadly, they're not. But the Old Testament teaches that the Messiah will be God. Do you know verses about that? Well, here's one right here. Psalm 110. This is perhaps the most quoted verse, Psalm 110 verse 1, in the whole New Testament. It's quoted by Jesus. It's quoted in, uh, by, in the book of Hebrews many different times. But let's read this verse. It says, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Okay, so just to break this verse down real quick, you first have to ask yourself, who's talking? The writer is talking. Who's the writer? David. So, the Lord, who's the Lord there? And it's capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah, Who's that Lord? We would say that's the Father. The Lord said unto my Lord. Oh, that's the Messiah. And if you read this whole psalm, it's a messianic psalm. Also talking about how the Messiah will come as a priest of the order of Melchizedek. We won't get into Melchizedek. But the Lord, the Father, said to my Lord, the Son, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So, we know that's the Son, because where, did, where is Jesus sitting now? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. So David is speaking, and he calls his Father God, Jehovah, and he calls the Messiah, Adonai, Lord. And Jesus stumped the religious leaders of his day, when he asked them, if the Messiah is David's son, how can he also be David's Lord? <laughs> Only Jesus can be David's son, be fully man, and be David's Lord, God. So here's a verse that teaches that the Messiah is God. He's the Lord of David. He's eternal. Micah, one of your favorite verses in the Bible... In Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. O Bethlehem Ephratah. What, what does it say at the end of Micah 5, verse 2? That the Messiah is from what? He's from everlasting. That the Messiah is eternal. There's another verse that teaches that the Messiah is Lord. There are other verses we can look at, but I'm here to say that the Old Testament teaches that the Christ, the Messiah, the, the, the coming seed who will sit on the throne of David is Lord. Acts 20.21 20, says, testifying both to Jews and Greeks, repentance toward God, faith toward our Lord Jesus 
Christ. You know, every time you see that, Lord Jesus Christ, it means that the Christ is Lord. He's God. So, Christ is Lord. Messiah. The third term that the angels use, he's the Savior, he's the Christ, well, he's Lord. And we just looked at a verse that many times in the New Testament, it talks how Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, here's what I love to, and there's many, many verses like this. Here's just one. Many verses from the Old Testament that speak of Jehovah or speak of God. And then in the New Testament, who, who fulfills that verse or who is that verse talking about or who is that verse applied to? To who? To Jesus so if you go to Isaiah chapter 45, go, go to Isaiah 45 and even look at the context of this verse. This is one of my favorite ones. Because if you go to Isaiah 45, and then if you look at Philippians 2, you don't have to go to Philippians. I have the verse there from Philippians. But I want you to see where Paul is quoting Philippians. And how this applies to Jesus Christ. What Isaiah is writing here in Isaiah chapter 45... Paul applies it to Jesus. This is truly amazing. And go back even to verse 21 of Isaiah 45. Are you with me in Isaiah 45 and verse 21? It says, Tell ye and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together, who hath declared this from ancient time, who hath told it uh, from, from that time, have not I the Lord, there's capital L-O-R-D, that's Jehovah, and there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none else beside me. Again, we see the word Savior there. That the Savior is God, the Savior is Lord. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. You know, if you need to be saved today, you can look straight to Jesus Christ and He will save you. You don't need anyone to... And there's no other mediator you need but to go to the Father through Jesus Christ. Actually, we'll look at that next week. When we're in Timothy. But he says, look unto me. And then verse 23, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. Can you read the rest of that verse with me? That unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. So unto me, who is that me refer to? It refers clearly to the Lord. To the one who's the Savior. To God. Right? Am I right? The me there, he says that unto me, we're only going to bow our knee to one, and that's to the Lord. We're only going to confess with our tongue to one, and that's the Lord. And then if you look at Philippians, what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, he says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's no doubt about it that Jesus Christ is Lord. Capital L-O-R-D here. He's Jehovah. He is God. There's none else. We must confess Him as our Lord. So Jesus is God. So let me just give you these five clear reasons why Jesus is God. First of all, and we've looked at some of these. He's called God. He's directly called God in the Bible. And you know the verse John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is called God. John chapter 20, verse 28. Who said that, Who called Jesus God in John chapter 20, verse 28? Remember, who was that? Thomas. Doubting Thomas. When he realized that Jesus was alive from the dead, what did he say? My Lord and my God. So Jesus is directly called God in these other verses as well. Number two, he has divine titles. He has the divine titles of God. He's the Son of God, which means He's God the Son. He is God. He is Lord. We looked at some of these titles already. He's the Savior. He's the Christ. He is Lord. No one else has these divine titles except Jesus Christ alone. So He's called God. He has the divine titles of God. And He does the works of God. Remember when they let that man down through the roof, through the roof and He said... Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Man, they, they, they were triggered. The, Jew, the religious people, that triggered them. What did they say? You can't forgive sins. Why? Only God can forgive sins. And that's true. 
Too bad Catholics don't recognize that. When they go to a priest and believe their priest forgives their sins. That is not true. Only God can forgive sins. And that's why Jesus could say, your sins be forgiven you. Jesus does the works of God. He forgives sins. He raises the dead. He receives worship. Should any man receive worship? We're not to worship anyone but God. Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. He's the Creator. He's the Sustainer. Who can create but God? Jesus, And it says, for by Him all things were created. He's the Creator of every person. Jesus Christ. He does the works of God. He answers prayer. We pray to Him and He hears and answers our prayer. We're to pray only to the Father through Jesus Christ and pray to God in that way. Jesus does the works of God and then Jesus has all the attributes of God. He is the great I Am. What are the attributes that only God can have? And you would, you would expect God to have these. In other words, if God doesn't have these attributes, He's not God. <laughs> that God must be all-powerful. He must be. And no man is all-powerful, only God. And Jesus said, all power is given unto me. All power is in Jesus Christ. God must be eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. We all had a beginning. We were born. But, and Jesus, in His earthly life, in His humanity, you could say, yes, had a beginning. He was born. But He lived in heaven from eternity past. That's why He could say before Abraham was, I am. Amazing. He has the attributes of God. He never changes. Jesus Christ, the same Yesterday, today, and forever. He's, that, that's called immutable. Immutable means He doesn't change. He's eternal. He's self-existent. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere present. Where two or three are gathered in His name, there is He in the midst. Only God is omniscient and omnipresent. Jesus Christ has all these attributes. He is God. And then, I shared with you one already, but the Old Testament verses related to Jesus in the New Testament prove that He is God. And there are many. I mean, you even know this, right? What's Psalm 23, 1? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, Jehovah. And who is Jesus? In the New Testament, He's the good, the great, and the chief shepherd. It's good to know a few of those, by the way. Here's another one. In Psalm, I think I have this one up here. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my what? He's my light. And what did Jesus reveal Himself to be? I am the light of the world. So when He said that, He's saying, I am the Lord. Eternal. Self-existent. Immutable. I never change. So Jesus is God. The second thing I want us to see, not only is Emmanuel speak of God, but Emmanuel speaks of that God is with us. Emmanuel is with us. Jesus is God with us. He's not against us. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to come to Him. I love the song that we sang, O Little Town of Bethlehem. It says, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive Him, still the dear Christ enters in. Do you need to receive Jesus Christ today as your Savior? He's with you. He will, he will, if you come to Him, He said, I won't cast you out. I'll receive you. And the, the end of that song says, Oh, come to us, abide with us. O Lord, Emmanuel. Abide with us. God is with us. He's not against us. He's Emmanuel. And that word with, and I only trouble you with Greek words when they're interesting, and this is pretty interesting, because the world looks for these Greek words too. Because what's that Greek word? Meta. Where have you heard that word recently? Well, like this huge social media company... So we need to change our, our, the name of our company from Facebook to Meta. Oh. 
they realize there's something to being with other people. With. That's the whole idea of meta. You can be with others. You can FaceTime them. You can instant message them. You can direct message them. And people are on meta or Facebook, you know, and, and they're having social interaction. So in this lonely world where even a social media giant wants to reach out to everyone and says, be with others, God Himself used this Word when He sent His Son. And you can be with Jesus. You can FaceTime with Jesus. You can direct message Jesus. You can instant message Him in prayer. And the, the, the approval you need isn't the like from your friend. You need to get likes from Jesus. Get approval from Jesus. This world is painfully lonely. But we have God with us. God with us. To be with us. And this name, God with us, also speaks to us, just in general, an umbrella. And I want to talk, just kind of hit, there, there's many things we could say about this in application, but I'm going to hit on five quickly as we conclude this message. But just in general, too, he came to be with us to do what? What, what did he come to be? Why did he come here? So I want to answer that. Why did he come here? Why did He come to be with us? He came, according to John chapter 1, turn to John chapter 1, verse 18. And what does that verse say? What did He come here to be with us? Why? For what reason? And John 1.18 says something so beautiful. He's, and John writes, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. That's why He came. Because you want to know God. And Jesus Christ took on human flesh so that we could see God. And He interacts with the world. And He, of course, did so many things in declaring God. But Jesus came to reveal and declare to us the invisible God. God with us. So why did He come? And again, there's many reasons you could probably give for this, but I'm just going to share a few. The first one, and I took, uh, for these reasons, I, I looked up the word meta and saw how it was used. So in each of these verses up here, you'll see this, it's the same word, with that is used in Matthew chapter 1, God with, meta, with us. So what's the first reason why He came? To save us in our lost condition. And what does Matthew 9-11 say? It says, they, they question Jesus, why eateth your Master with publicans and sinners? So there's Jesus with the sinners and the lowly people. He came down to be with us. And He came to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. He came to destroy the works of the devil. It says He was manifested to take away our sins. This is why He came. To save us from our lost condition. And again, make sure you're saved through Jesus. He's with you for you to come to Him. He's with you. Believe on Him. He's not made this difficult. Just repent. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And He'll change your, your heart from the inside out. He came to save us. And He came, secondly, to be near us in our loneliness. And one of the most lonely times, no doubt for Jesus humanly, was when He went into the Garden of Gethsemane. And I love those three words He said to the disciples. What did He say to them? As He entered into that garden, He said, Watch with Me. Watch with me. Jesus is inviting the disciples to watch and pray with Him. Are you lonely? Watch with Jesus. He invites you. Come. Watch. Pray. With me. To me. To my Father. If any man cometh to the Father, he comes through the Son. John 14, verse 6. He's with us in our loneliness. We do live in a lonely world, but when we know Jesus Christ, we might be alone, 
but we're never lonely. Because Jesus is always there and you can always be talking to Him. And we should, we should be like Zacchaeus, always climbing up in a tree and looking for Jesus and what He's doing in our life. He's at work in our life. Climb up and see. And look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Let us be like Jacob, always wrestling with God. Sometimes you, life is a wrestling match. And you even have to wrestle with God. God, what are you doing? I want your blessing. And you wrestle with God for the blessings and the answers to prayer. Let us be like a deer, always panting for fellowship with Him. Watch with Jesus. Always be like Moses, crying out for Him. Show me your glory, O Lord. Why did He come? To save us. To be near us. To comfort us in our dark times. You know, sometimes you'll feel very lonely and think, he, God does not know what I'm going through. Where is God? Why is He allowing this to happen? And you're going to be in some trial and you're going to feel and wonder and question God's love. That's not unusual. It's not unusual for us to feel like God has forsaken us. It is sometimes even a common condition of the godly to say, Lord, why are you so afar off? But He isn't. He isn't at all. And that's the story that I love so much that Jesus was up in the mountain praying and He sends the disciples into a boat. And, and one of the great narratives of the New Testament, and they're in the, in the middle of the night, they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, they're rowing with all their might, and they're not getting anywhere. The only thing that's happening is the boat is filling up with water. And they're panicking. But Jesus saw them all along. He saw them and knew exactly what they were going through. And that's when He came walking to them on the water. And did they know it was Jesus at first? Who did they think it was? They said, ah, it's a ghost! <laughs> they thought they were seeing a ghost. They were totally freaked out. Like my wife when I drive on the Van Wick gets freaked out sometimes. Ah, you know, what's that car? <laughs> My wife's going to get a lot of reward in heaven for letting me drive her around the city all these years. She's going to get reward, believe me. I'm actually a pretty safe driver, but sometimes you just can't help it in the city. You know, it's crazy out there. It's not my fault. No. no. <laughs> but isn't this beautiful? In the dark moment of the night, it says, immediately he talked with them. Meta. You want real meta? Talk with Jesus. Talk with Jesus. Let Him talk to you. He talked with them and He said, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. You know what the it is I? You know what the, the actual translation of it is I there as well? It's ego I me, which is I am. Be of good cheer. Be confident. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. I am. I am here with you. There's no reason to fear. What love and mercy He reveals to the disciples. He came to reveal God to us. To reveal His salvation. To reveal that God wants to be near us. And to reveal that God is our comfort in dark times. We need the comfort of the Lord in dark times. I was thinking, you know, as I get older, I do think more about passing away. I think about death a little more. It's really something. You know, life, life is a very quick circle. Because I remember like yesterday when my grandfather was dying. And I went to visit him and I still remember him. He had cancer and his body was racked with pain. And he was like just tight, enduring. And the, the nurse said he's going through the death process. Whew, that was my grandfather. And he died. And like, at his funeral, Debbie went into labor with Daniel. So my grandfather died and Daniel was born. This, the, the wheel. But that doesn't seem like that long ago that my grandfather died. 
And then my father a few years ago died. Like, wow, that went fast between my grandfather and father. Hmm, who's next here on this? uh, Who's next to go here, you know? (laughs) It makes you think. It's like, next in line, who's going to die in my family as far as me? I'm, I'm next in the generation to go. It makes you think. The thought of dying is a fearful thought in a way. We know Jesus Christ has conquered the grave and we don't live in the fear of death. But have you ever died? <laughs> None of us have ever died. So just the, the thought of the unknown, it's like, hmm, what is it really going to be like to go through that? What will it be like for me when I'm in that death process? What would it be like for you? It's going to happen to all of us quicker than we may think. And when we die, we will stand before the Almighty God. But aren't you glad we have a Savior who came to be with us, to die for us on the cross, and to say, watch with me, and it is I, be not afraid, to be our comfort, our strength, to be our God of mercy and love, Why did He come? To use us in His service. To use us in His service. There's that word meta in the great commission passage. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Go into all the world and preach the Gospel. And Jesus Christ will be with us. (laughs) That's the meta we need. Jesus Christ with us as we're witnessing to our friends on our job. Jesus Christ to us as we're witnessing in our schools. Jesus Christ with us as we're trying to give the gospel to our neighbors. Jesus Christ with us in service. He has the pro- He's promised us, I am with you always. And He says, I'm standing at the door of your life and I'm even knocking and I will sup with you and you will sup with me. Jesus Christ with us. And when He's with us, nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. He puts impossibility out of existence because through Christ, we can do all things. He's with us. We can't serve without Him. We serve with Him, don't we? The last thing is, He comes to hear us in our confusion. So I just finish with these, with going back to the Christmas stories. In Matthew, and go to Luke's Gospel and we'll turn there. And he hears us in our confusion. So when the angel tells Mary what's going on, <laughs> she, she's like, what? <laughs> I'm going to have a, a son? And he's going to sit on the throne of David? This is what the angel tells Mary in Luke chapter 1. And verse number thirty. 30, he says, fear not, Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Are you with me there? For thou hast found favor, or that's grace. We talked about that last night. Grace, it means she was saved. All of us, when we're saved, we find grace. Mary's no different than us. She was a sinner who needed salvation. And she was saved, a godly, holy woman. And, And then he says, and behold... Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. Not Mary's going to be great. Jesus. And shall be called the Son of the Highest. Notice, it's what we call Jesus, not what we call Mary. Boy, the Catholic Church has all many names for Mary. Mother of God. It's not a biblical name. This is about Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto Him the throne of His father David. You want to know what that's talking about? Go back to 2 Samuel chapter 7 where the Lord promised to David that there would be one who would sit on His throne forever. That's why we believe in an earthly kingdom, by the way, because these earthly promises, and these these are earthly promises, in the sense that Jesus Christ is going to sit on the throne of His father David. The throne of His father David was an earthly throne in Jerusalem. And Jesus Christ is going to come back and sit on an earthly throne in Jerusalem. Can you imagine being Mary, really, and an angel is telling you this? 
Can you, no, just really. Like, what? Huh? Huh? How? What are you talking about? I don't even know, man. You're telling me all this. This is like really hit. This is like broadside. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom, there shall be no end. Now Mary knew of these messianic promises, no doubt. Every Jewish girl hoped to be the chosen one to bring forth the Messiah. And so Mary, I believe, does understand something what she's being told. But she also knows in verse 34, she, she doesn't know, she's never known a man. She's like, how's this going to happen? I've never been intimate with a man. My marriage has not yet been consummated. Where we've come together as a husband and wife, we're only engaged, if you will, espoused, betrothed. So Mary is confused. But the angel tells her that the Holy Spirit, the power of God, will overshadow her. And then that holy thing which will be born shall be called the Son of God. And then verse 37. Can you read verse 37 and 38 with me? It says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. So Mary's a great example for us. She had some confusion. But the angel told her what was going to happen. And she believed. Because she believed in the power of God. And she says, It will be as you have said. And so when we have that confusion, get with Jesus. When you're confused in your life, go to Jesus. And open up God's Word. And start to read. And let God speak to your heart. And He will hear us. And He will speak to us in our confusion. Because... He is with us. He is with us. John Wesley was a great preacher of his day. Ended up founding the Methodist Church, which at one time was a very powerful movement. But when he lay dying, his friends gathered around him. And Wesley said, farewell, farewell. And then as he was almost... To death, he said, Best of all, God is with us. And he lifted up his arms, it said, and with a feeble voice, he repeated those words The best of all, God is with us. And so, dear friends, I say to you today the best thing about our lives is that God is with us. He's our Emmanuel. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, thank You that You are Emmanuel, our God with us. Thank You, Lord Jesus, that You came to save us and to be near us, to comfort us and to use us. You came to hear us and to speak to us in our confusion. You came to be with us, to reveal God to us. Thank You, Jesus. We thank You so much for who You are. God, Lord, King of kings, our Savior. Is there anyone here today who'd say, Pastor Matt, I'm not sure if I die today that I would go to heaven, but I want to know. I want to make sure of it. I don't want to live with doubt. I want to know that Jesus Christ is my Savior and my God. And I want to live my life looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Is there anyone who'd say, Pastor Matt, pray for me today. I need to make sure that I'm born again, a child of God, on my way to heaven. Can I see your hand? Is there anyone that I could pray for you? Just put your hand up if you're not sure that you have Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin. God is with us. He's with us right now. And if you're not saved, He's saying, call unto Me. He's saying, come unto Me and I will give you rest. 
Thank you, Lord. And I thank you for your people that love you that are here. For those of you who know the Lord, many of us, just say thank you, Lord. And ask God to use you for in His service. Ask God to comfort you in your trials. Ask God to speak to you and hear you in your confusion. He will be near you. He did the greatest work in saving you from sin. He'll take care of you through all your dark times. He's with you to help you. And so, Lord, thank You for Your Word that the very last verse of the Bible You use that word meta right here in the last word of the Scripture. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank You, God, for Your grace through Jesus that You are our Emmanuel, our God and Savior with us. In Jesus' name, Amen.